Hi, I'm Muriel. And I'm Nick. And welcome to Hella in Your Thirties. This week, we're in a book. Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Let's do jumping jacks. And we'll get rich. But oops, I found that bottle of gin underneath the sink again. So tomorrow's a new day. Let's order pizza. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hella in Your 30s. This is a podcast for people of all ages, all about navigating this dystopian world we live in. This episode is very special. We are going to welcome Kayleen Schaefer, the author of But You're Still So Young, How 30-somethings Are Redefining Adulthood, to the podcast. And Muriel, why do we have Kayleen coming on the podcast this week? Oh, Nikki, because we're hella classy and we got interviewed for this book. (laughs) And not just like once or twice, but over the period of two years. And so far, this book that we are in has been named one of Vogue's best of 2021 and BuzzFeed's most anticipated 2021. Damn! That's right. Kayleen, this is her second book. Her first book is called Text Me When You Get Home, The Evolution and Triumph of Modern Female Friendship. These books are published by Penguin Random House. And... It's available for pre-order right now. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? It's launching March 2nd. And you know what the third thing is? <laughs> what? You can buy it on Amazon if you want to. But I don't know. Honestly, fuck Amazon. I'm not into <laughs> it. Uh, bookstore.org is a place to go if you don't want to line Jeff Bezos' bald-headed pockets <laughs> with your money. And you want to just, I don't know. .org is usually to me like, oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so be like Muriel and just follow your heart, you American consumers. Uh, okay, anyways, we're, uh, we're let's just—I think we're just gonna do it, right? Yeah, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, friends, families, and newcomers to the podcast, Muriel and I are so excited to bring to you guys our dear friend. Uh, the most important person in our life, <laughs> Kayleen Schaefer. Ah, welcome Hi to the guys. podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, I'm feels- very excited to talk to you when you're the people asking the questions. I know. Yes. Oh my gosh. It feels well, it feels very cool. You're in New York. You know? yeah. like- <laughs> Tables are turned. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Hanging out, chatting with our New York pal. Okay, so you asked us questions for two years and now we're going to mm-hmm. um grill you for 30 minutes so. <laughs> and what's true is that i originally said could i do it for one year and it's like just kidding let's keep this going yeah. <laughs> right and then every time you're like would you mind if um I, like i ask you more questions or we're like Please, yes. Please, we don't have anything else to do. <laughs> Talking about ourselves with you is the most positive thing in my life. This is our therapy. <laughs> Did other people? Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. Did other people uh, med- like talk about how it felt therapeutic besides us? Like talking to you? Yes, you are not alone. Other yeah. people did. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Probably half, half of the people definitely said something along those lines. Oh my God. So did the other half, were they just like in it for the love of like literature? Like what, what was that? <laughs> um, well, now that I say that half said that, I don't know, you know, maybe a hundred percent people said that. <laughs> I would have to go back and look, but I mean, every time I kind of thought that someone would be like, oh, I think I'm done here. I yeah. don't want to talk to you anymore. 
but no, none of the eight of you did. Yeah, it just it felt nice. incredibly good. Yeah, just to have someone yeah. smart like asking, <laughs> like you asking know, interested, questions. and and also what I love loved about talking with you is you always remembered what we talked about last time, so you'd ask really good follow up questions. Or I feel like in therapy, I'm I always think my therapist has no recollection of right they're like looking at their notes for what your name is or yeah. what your brother's <laughs> name is or whatever and you're just like come on I went over this yeah, yeah. right well the pandemic also made that so much worse I feel like because yeah. it's just like they could just be texting the whole time you can see that yeah right <laughs> yeah whatever yeah. Uh, yeah all right well I want you to tell us about like a just describe your book in like a nutshell so we have a a jumping off point. Yes, of course. Um, so the book is about being in your 30s. And, you know, the basic summary is that people in their 30s are hitting their own milestones on whatever timelines they feel comfortable with. And that is okay. Great, even. And, but it certainly has its challenges. You know, we're faced with a lot of economic insecurity, a lot of job uncertainty, uh, the world is a very, very anxiety-filled, uncertain place right now. Um, so it's certainly difficult, but it, there is also this luxury of choice that uh, we don't have to check off the same kind of milestones that, say, a person even 20 years older did when they were in their 30s, mm -hmm. even 15, maybe. You know, this is very like this is happening now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh I mean, I, I know why we started a podcast kind of coming from the same place as you did, but why, uh -huh. why did you write this book? I am interested in looking at people who structure their lives differently than say the stereotype. Mm -hmm. So my first book, um, text me when you get home is about female friendship and how those friendships can be as important to women as their relationships with their family, with their kids, with their work, the relationships that women are told are supposed to structure their lives. And so, but they're, they're also using friends as a huge support system. And so in this book, I wanted to do something similar. It's not a sequel, but it does look at the same idea of people in their 30s now who are not organizing their lives among those, those five steps that sociologists say traditionally made us an adult, but people in their 30s now are looking at those milestones and steps and saying, mm, that's for me, that's not for me, maybe later on that one. Um, and, and I'll give you the definition too, because it's like, if I just say five steps, you're like, what are they? What no, yeah. please, I was like, like, please what? tell us yeah. because yeah. I, we should, so, I want to see how many we have. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is a fun game. Um, and the book is structured along these steps, even not necessarily because we sanction them or we want to sanction them, but just because most people struggle with them or think about them. Mm -hmm. So the first is finishing school, you know, whatever that means to you. The second is leaving home. So, so moving out um, of your parents' household. Uh, the third is marrying but it could also be flopped with the fourth, which is financial independence. Mm -hmm. And the fifth is having kids. So you know, they're, they're what you think they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Like, how'd you do? How'd you do? <laughs> yeah, we did good. I mean, we we've have, well, I don't know. We did finish school, but now we're like, did we like we need to go back? Well, that is like a trip back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Might go back. Well, I mean, like a BA, mm -hmm. like a bachelor's now feels like a high school diploma. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in terms of yeah, yeah. I've seen no, waitressing. That's very true. Yeah, I've seen waitressing jobs saying like bachelor's. Like right. you don't get a bachelor's. That's interesting. In yeah, like yeah, and almost every job 
asks you what you've got and yeah. sort of expects yeah. it's sort of like the new minimum it feels like yeah but we yeah. got we it, got, it absolutely is yeah yeah we definitely moved out of our parents house mm-hmm. uh, well we thought about moving back in <laughs> this year <laughs> yeah, right. and then uh uh financial independence we had for a long time and then the pandemic hit and now basically we're you know we're still independent. Well, if the government counts as uh, mom and dad, as mom and dad, <laughs> yeah. then we're definitely dependent. No. Yeah. <laughs> auntie, uh, auntie and uncle, uh, EDD, California unemployment, <laughs> you know, and yeah. then, uh, what was that? Oh, marriage. We did that. Mm-hmm. I guess that's probably the most like traditional. I thought it would be like buying yeah. a house or like, well, I mean, it's, that's sort of tied in with financial independence and wealth building. Um, but the thing is, is like, it's not about checking them off anymore, right? Like you're right. saying like, okay, but I shouldn't be like, I did all of these things because even though you haven't, you know, done some of them, you're like mature, responsible adults, you know, yeah. right. the, the hand, the hand wringing over not doing them. Cause I, I got really like, but I don't understand, like, why is it so important for us to do all of these things? And, and the answer you get is like, well, say you choose marriage, for example, if you're not married, you don't know how to be intimate or close with other people. And like you hear people say that, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have to be married to know how to have, you know, good interpersonal relationships right. with people yeah. and be close with them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of that seems really misguided at, at this point in time. Well, we have definitely, I mean, I feel like our a lot of my friends are, were in long-term relationships for a long time before they got married. That was like, I mean, now, like, I feel like the standard is move in with each other and get to know each other before you even think about getting married, right. you know, whereas like yeah, just, cohabitation is huge. It's huge. Yeah. We were together for 10 years before we got married. Yeah. It was like, I mean, I think you guys, your section in the book um, kicks off with you marrying. I want to say that could be, that could be midway through though. I don't know about your, about your story and how I weaved it through the book, but we definitely, yeah. I, we definitely talked a lot about how when you turned 30, your relationship became one of the most important things in your life. And you really wanted to take step, take steps and solidify that. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. How did you f- find the people that you interviewed for your book? At first I didn't writing about a decade in people's lives is a huge challenge because obviously, you know, we don't all have the same experience. And some people I'm sure are doing very traditional thirties and checking those milestones off and maybe even did that in their twenties. But I was interested in people who, who didn't, who weren't, who were still leaving things open, who were still figuring things out. And so I knew that I couldn't, you know, just do 200 interviews and talk to everyone in their thirties across the board, because I was really looking for a certain type of person living their thirties, a certain way. So I talked to had initial conversations with 50 people Mm -hmm. and just talked, got a sense of their life, but also a sense of them, like talking to both of you guys, which I did separately. I could, I just knew that you were willing to be open about your life and your emotions and your innermost thoughts and your struggles and your, you know, triumphs. And that's what I was also looking for. Someone who would be pretty open with a complete stranger. And I also, I wanted, you know, geographic diversity, racial diversity. Um, Everyone's in the middle class. Uh, The middle class is sprawling as you guys know, but everyone is, would be considered to be part of the middle class, which is just a choice I made because I wanted to hone it in some way. And that, middle class seem to give the most 
just would, would allow me to access the most different kind of people within the same realm of economic privilege. Right. So, wow. So what I'm hearing is that we, uh, we're a little class. Well, <laughs> I was say, we passed the audition. We, we, we made it to the, we made it to the second round and all the way through. That's exciting. How did you find us? I don't remember. I think you guys asked me this and I, I want to say it had to in part have been led by your podcast too, because, yeah. you know, I was doing a lot of just initial research to get the bones of what people thought about the thirties and how they were being portrayed. And I think I definitely hit upon your podcast and, and then figured out who the two of you were. Did you think we were cool? <laughs> I wasn't making judgments like that. I think I thought it was interesting. I think I thought it was interesting that you were married too, because I didn't, I'm, you're the only couple you're not the only couple the other people in the book have significant others but you're the only couple that i interviewed both of the people in the couple equally right mm-hmm. right nick was definitely like I, I really want to ask her what she thought of us at first and i was like do not ask that question. <laughs> 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 I was like, you can ask her if she thought we were cool that's it I know. I remember you being really honest. I mean, that, that as far as I remember, I could go back and listen to that tape, but I do remember both of you just being really open and down for talking and not because, you know, some people when they talk, not me, because I have no filter too, but like, we'll be like, Oh, off the record or don't put that out there. Or, you know, and I just, Um. and that's fine. People should have all the privacy that they desire, but I wanted to get to, I wanted to put, real people and real, real lives in the book. And thank you for letting me do that. Oh, it was awesome. Life. I, for the record, no, I definitely thought you were very cool. I was like, she's so cool. <laughs> yeah. She's like this cool, like New Yorker lady. <laughs> she's a, so nice. she's a writer. <laughs> I was like, what did she say to you? <laughs> We'd like talk about it afterwards. <laughs> and uh, you also put a ton of your own personal kind of private truthfulness into this book right? yeah yeah I did which it, uh, I part of me is sort of like well why would anyone want to know about my life because I feel pretty average but I sort of think that that's the point if you mm-hmm. put your regular life out there and I talk openly about what I messed up you know what went wrong what I thought was going to happen what actually did happen how I made some things I wanted to have happen happen and I just think telling the truth about this stuff is a lot more helpful than just seeing, you know, like a status update on or a thing on Twitter. That's it, we, you know, we put lots of our good news out there, which we should, which should be celebrated. But it's hard if you only see that and you only share that for people to relate. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like definitely in relation to like the five things that you accomplish, like when we're not ticking off those boxes, it's like, I don't know, like that's the information we'd like tend to not share you know like I find it really cathartic to like talk about failures because it's like (laughs) (laughs) most of the time like the secret is once you say it everybody else is like oh yeah me too that happened to me too like we're all actually I couldn't agree more yeah Yeah. absolutely people are so relieved and and the commonality that you find is great and the feeling that you're not alone is wonderful yeah Yeah. you know I really like I also like I was doing this book also because I went through my thirties and didn't, I thought, Oh gosh, that's not how I thought that they would go. 
Uh, and so I, I did. I also wanted to be like, I'm not alone, right? Other people are doing this <laughs> yeah, and other people right. are feeling this. And so that's yeah. a big reason for writing the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there is definitely portions, specifically probably about our, um, the, you know, how we feel about having children, potentially having children, not having children, all that, that, you know, the conversations we had with you were particularly, you know, intimate, you know, and conversations that we really haven't had with anyone else. Did you put anything into your book that you're like, uh, feel particularly, I don't know, vulnerable about putting out into the world? Yeah. And actually it's around the same, like Muriel and I are, we both were like, we're talking to you. I related a lot because I didn't know for a really long time if I wanted to have children. I just wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know. And, and you don't talk to a lot of people. You talk to people, yes, definitely, or no, not for me, but you don't talk to a lot of people in the middle. And it's almost seen as like a failing as a woman if you don't know which way you want to go, especially when you're in your 30s. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I related to Muriel in that. And, um, and yeah, putting that in the book was like, oh, okay, people are going to see this and, and know how I felt about it. And no, yeah. that's, it's an interesting place to go. That was probably the first time I had even been that introspective talking to you about that. Like yeah. I was like, I don't think that was such a cool, it was interesting because all of our conversations were always really illuminating for me, but that one in particular, I thought on that for like months afterwards because there's so much stuff that I think because you know well you and I connected on this kind of like similar sort of feeling about this idea of ambivalence and like where that fits into you know being a woman and like aging out of the potential and you know having kids all that kind of stuff but then I found myself like for months afterwards talking to other women and just my friends and just being like wait do you Mm -hmm. talk about this like Like starting that conversation yeah I think that's really important yeah that was really really cool yeah it was I don't know it's a pretty it was a cool part of our life to intersect with you for a lot of reasons but one of them was it was you know, we were doing like that film festival circuit for our series Mm -hmm. fan club. And it was just such like an exciting, alive time for us. And we had like some high highs and some low lows and some really great victories and some pretty like deep disappointments, you know, and it, it, it was really, I don't know. I feel really lucky that that portion of our life also was in the book. Like you wrote, you know, we were checking in with you when we took our trip to Sicily, you know, and all this mm-hmm, stuff. And mm-hmm. it feels like, honestly, it feels like a great gift, you know, because Muriel and I still reference the conversations you had about, you know, having children together, you know, that formed like a pretty solid foundation for how we talk to each other about it. And, you know, with this book, we'll be able to kind of look back specifically at that time of our life and realize all the things that were coming into play during that conversation specifically, mm-hmm. you know, is just sort yeah. of like a beautiful gift, I guess. It's interesting thinking back on the timeline, because I talked to you before you had started submitting to film festivals Yeah, and then there was a real shift. And I distinctly remember talking to you one day, Nick, and you, you were talking about the reception 
that the series had gotten at, at your first film festival. And, and you were like, it was the greatest day of my professional life. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and you described it so beautifully too. And you were like, if you've never had that feeling of someone watching your funny thing and laughing and enjoying it, and you said it was incredible and you yeah. were just on such a high and it was such a shift from, uh, you know, when we had started talking and you were sort of like, I really want to do this. We're trying to do this. And yeah. then you, you finally, you know, you got a piece of it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And then also that our time stretched into like a pretty dark period where I just like could not get a job. Like I was yeah. just out there just striking out left and right and, you know, just the, this, I don't know, like, I feel like the scope of our life during us talking together was so dynamic in a way where, did that happen for other people you spoke to also? Yeah, it's an interesting question and a great point because I haven't, um, I haven't mm. done writing or a book like this really where you follow people for an extended period of time. And at the very beginning, I'm sort of like, but what if nothing happens? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, what, what if uh, these people's lives don't change? But of course they do, you know, and your life, it's hard to look and notice change in your life if you don't actually have someone following it and recording it, because it's just harder for you to see if you don't look at it within a finite period of time. But yeah, no, everyone's life everyone had a significant thing or change happen to them. It was really interesting, which I think is also part of being in your thirties that you are really making significant like decisions and, and doing significant things. Yeah. Like I'm with that, like, well, also the pandemic, like what was that? Yeah, and also like that. what, like your experience with writing this book in the case, in like the kind of context of that, like, what was that like to go from, you know, pre-pandemic to pandemic? <laughs> Yeah, I, I turned in a draft of the book, my first draft to my editor in late February of last year. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was pretty happy with the book. Uh, I was like, gosh, good work. We're done here. <laughs> this is good. Um, and then obviously, as everyone knows, the world shut down a few weeks later and it was very hard to figure out how to write about it, what to say. It was never, I, I think it maybe was like a half a second of being like, I don't have to write about this, this will be over. Like, I, I did feel like it, we were gonna, I, I, if you would have asked me if we would still be doing it now, I would have told you no, but I definitely expected it to go on for, you know, six months, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, right. A, yeah. a significant amount of time that, that I should be, continuing to do that the book was not done the book was no longer done um and so yeah and it's interesting because the things that we were talking about and the things that I already saw existing have just even sort of gotten more intensified like um the leaving home is a good example of that mm -hmm. you know already for people ages 18 to 34 living with their parents is the most common like way of living before the pandemic but that only intensified during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things like you know, delaying marriage, delaying having kids, like all of these things are just the more people are doing them later than were pre-pandemic. But but they already were happening. Yeah. Like before the pandemic. Yeah. I know one of the probably maybe the biggest answer to this question, but 
how did your life change from the beginning of this book to where you're at now with your triumphant release? I mean, um, to answer the baby indecision question, I did have a baby. Yes. yes. <laughs> Congratulations. So cute. Thanks, I was guys. like looking at your Instagram the other day. <laughs> I was just like, and Kayleen's husband is like super hot. And I was like, what? I was we like, were what? no, he said that like <laughs> he said that while we were sitting in our room, like not talking. <laughs> he just goes, you know, like Kayleen's husband's really handsome. And I, I was like, cool. And I was like, why did you say that? I was like, I don't know. I just felt like I just, just needed to be, I was just thinking about, you know, painting the picture of Kayleen Schaefer for this podcast. I just felt like hilarious. I will tell him. <laughs> Okay, so you 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 started this book not well, not with a baby, but also not knowing if you wanted a baby. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty close to figuring out that I did. Mm -hmm. Even as I talk about in the book, there is there there was, and I guess this is where it's like, do I really want to put it out there? Because I, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I don't think you can be a hundred percent sure, but I just felt like that I did want to have this experience and to do this. And I was lucky enough that I could. Yeah. How old were you when you decided that, or not when you decided, but when you kind of were sure? Uh, or is that see, a weird question? 39? No, yeah. it's not. Um, 38, 39, maybe 38. Yeah. Yeah. I'm turning. Well, like that's, I think I'm like, when we were talking about it, I was like, I'm kind of one beat behind you, which doesn't yeah. matter at all, except for like kind of 38 to 41, like that range. <laughs> Cause then it's like all of a sudden mm -hmm. things really start to change. And it's interesting. Yeah. Like when we were talking. No, it's funny. I was, I was reading that part of the book and I had exactly that same thought, Muriel. Cause I was yeah. like, she's like one beat behind me basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in deciding you're in the in the gray area before you really have to decide yeah we've yeah. definitely like it's, it's changed I mean it's interesting it has nothing's changed that much but it has been like the furthest we've gotten the conversation is well I think we need to decide in like a <laughs> yeah. year yeah. <laughs> like because <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll be 38 in April yeah and I'm just like oh this this gap is it's somehow time just started moving really really fast well, you know, there were all those like cutesy stories uh, at the beginning of the pandemic about like, oh, pandemic baby boom. But that's a myth. Like, yeah. There's not going to be a baby boom at all. Uh, the birth rate is probably going to go down even farther. Yeah. Um, because like I talked to some demographers when I was like reworking the book and, and trying to catch it up with the times uh, that we're in now. And, um, and they said, you know, I don't, not many people are like, let's have a baby during the greatest pandemic this country has <laughs> yeah, experienced right. in a hundred years. Yeah. You know, it's a... <laughs> we know a few so, people, yeah. like, like a handful of people who went through it and it's just like super, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone seems happy and we're, and they're lucky to like, they feel lucky to be safe and healthy, yeah. but I mean, like sure. they're locked down. My friends with kids, like we either don't see them or, you know, occasionally we've seen, we've haven't seen very many people period, but like, you know, they're, they were saying like their kids haven't seen anyone. So like yeah. my friend yeah. Ryan's baby, uh, Tate, who's amazing. He's the sweetest kid. Like we came over for like a little socially distance, you know, hangout. And, uh, they were saying he's like obsessed with the mailman. Cause that's like, 
pretty much the only other person yeah. that he's he was seen. just staring at us. his like, friend yeah, right. yeah. yeah it's crazy that's yeah. like how the lady at the coffee shop is my friend yeah, Bailey. Right. we're friends yeah. <laughs> uh do you did you end up feeling really close with everyone you interviewed for the book yeah you know my editor i don't know why she asked me she, why she was like who's your favorite and I was like that I, I don't have a favorite <laughs> that's like picking my favorite kid I guess you know I have one kid but um <laughs> I, yeah I'm like, that's a crazy question like I really feel so close to all of you and I'm so grateful that you're letting me tell your stories was it super different writing your second book after having success with your first book text me when you get home this book was a lot harder in part, it was just a bigger undertaking because I was going to follow you guys um, and tell your stories kind of in real time. Um, and, and I really wanted to do something bigger than with Text Me because, I mean, Text Me is a wonderful story and I'm so glad that I put it out there. But it is also a lot of my experience and a lot of pop culture. So um, that stuff, you know, you can... It's just, you can put it out. That already exists. You know, I could rewatch Broad City or rewatch Parks and Rec and talk yeah. about Valentine's Day. Um, and that stuff's wonderful. And I'm so glad that I got to put that in a book form and tell the story of the power of female friendship. But this is just a bigger lift. And also this is, you know, like I said at the beginning, like we have these choices and I think it's exciting, but it also some people aren't going to be able to make the lives that they want, even if they want to do that. And so that's the flip side of this. And I don't want to be too like, it's great. We have choices because there is a lot of problems in this country for people who they like, that's going to hold them back from getting the lives they want. Right. That's yeah. sort of contorted, but yeah, it's just, it's just not as much of a, it's a more nuanced story, I think. I mean, that is also just such a big part of our generational story is definitely mm -hmm. like the lack of, I mean, just the completely a, a change in opportunity in the country, you know, and like who has access to opportunity and things like that. I mean, it is really interesting. It feels like a big part of my adulthood is contending with like trying to kind of not be bitter but then also kind of be like let's be real about this like mm -hmm. you know if you look at housing prices and depressed wages and like co the cost of education and all these kinds of things that like literally my parents just didn't have to deal with it's hard to not feel kind of like it's like I don't want to dwell on it or be like poor me but it's like it's pretty a huge defining factor of our like adult yeah. life like <laughs> and I I talked about that a lot with both of you guys and you all, you both are so smart about it. It's interesting. I was talking to someone earlier today and um, he mentioned, you know, people in their thirties, like millennials were supposed to be so optimistic and positive and do-gooders. And he yeah. was asking like, is that still the case? And, you know, I, I do think like you guys are a great example. Like you, you know exactly what you're up against. You know, we don't have job security, like wages aren't rising with the cost of living, you know, there's systemic racism. It's just, there's a lot that we're up against, but I do think that we're still largely positive. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys are a prime example of two people who are still very largely positive. Yeah. Even well, if maybe nice. like you shouldn't be. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're like everyone's like, you guys gave up a long time ago, right? We're like, no. They're like, no, it's your positive, I guess. No, I mean, I think like I do at times like 
you know, sometimes I'm like, am I coming off as shrill? Because I, it's kind of like that thing about like saying, like, I always just want to say it, you know what I mean? So if you're hanging out with a bunch of people or like you're in mixed company with like, you know, other generations or whatever, like you're talking with your parents, it's like, I'm not mad, but I also am like, when we're talking about stuff, like, I also want to just be like, yeah, just so we're clear, like, that's not an option for us. Like a shitty house in our neighborhood costs like three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's like not even, you know, like I always bring, I'm constantly sort of like trying to be the, um, like Pied Piper or something. Yeah, <laughs> Who's right. the guy who leads all the children to their death with the, uh, with the pipe. I think that's the Pied Piper. <laughs> I'm just constantly like trying to be like, no, guys, guess what? Like the squeaky wheel or something. Yeah. It's like, but you know, you have to point out the reality because I too would like to be super positive and this is great. We have all these choices, but there is a reality that some of this is not a choice. Yeah. Uh, My favorite one is when we're hanging out with people that are not in our situation or maybe not in our generation is when we say how much we spend on healthcare. They're like, well, you should get Obamacare. And we're like, we're on it, baby. Actually, that is Obamacare. Yeah, I think we're like one of the only people I know who started on the ACA when it came out, like, and and went Uh throughout the entire rollout. And so, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many great things that it did, obviously, but also, like, I'm like, and obviously, I voted for Obama. I'm super, yes, let's try to reform healthcare, but it was really crappy. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was really like yeah. not that great. And it's interesting to talk to people who are just like, oh, have you heard of that? It's like, <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Kayleen, have you always wanted to be a writer? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Maybe that wasn't totally formed, but I was the kid who was churning out short stories in elementary school. Like, I don't know that I knew you could be a writer. I, you know, I just, yeah. I just, it was something I did and it was something I happened to be good at and I liked it. Yeah. which is probably the more important part of it. But yeah, so yes. <laughs> yeah. And how are you feeling right now with like your second book coming out? Like where, where are you at emotionally? I am excited. I'm really proud of the book. I really like, I think what I wanted to do, I think that I did. So that's, that's been, it's very cool to feel that. Um, yeah. It's a little weird to do it in a pandemic to have a book come out because I can't get a real read from people. Like it's really nice seeing your faces and talking to you guys about the book because otherwise it's just so siloed and, you know, like I don't really, I I would have meetings at the publishers or we'd have a book launch or, you know, my parents would come or we'd have a dinner or something, you know, it's just, we're not going to do any of that. It's going to, the book launch is going to be me in this chair on zoom (laughs) through a bookstore, books are magic. It's going to be great, but it's not exactly the same. Um, and we will be putting a link to that. Uh, oh, thanks guys. Yeah. We'll be putting a link to that in the show notes. So everybody- yeah. I mean, the good thing is that you can come if you're not in New York. So yeah, we'll be, and we'll there, be there for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I like, I don't know if this is like a weird question, but I feel like I want to ask it anyway. Like, <laughs> like as you're ramping, <laughs> it's like, as you're ramping up. Right. And like, like, I think one thing that I feel like we've shared in interviews and stuff like that is like this sort of life as an artist or creating things like making things that are creative right and like kind of feeling like it's always such a tenuous thing it's like you can have one success and then you don't have a success and like you know like did I achieve the goal or is the goal impossible like all of that 
kind of stuff. Like that's what we're doing out here and in, in the work that we do for sure. And it's just like, I can't imagine what it's like to have like one book. It goes really well for you, right? Like the text me book, right? And then, you know, you have a few years in between and you're like, have this other book and you love it. And then you get to launch it and then it's at, in a fucking pandemic. <laughs> Like that's yeah. just like it feels like I would be so like I mean on some level just like there's something so ironic about that you know like because we're never really sure yeah. if we made it or if we're even attempt like even in the ballpark of making it and then you can actually get to a point where you've like yeah like nailed it and then it's like but I don't get to have a party <laughs> yeah like is that any of that yeah it it is what it is right I mean the book is out there and I think here's the thing also I think that the message of this actually became more important with the pandemic Mm -hmm. like the message of you can do things on your own time you can hit whatever milestones you want and it's okay and, and you're in you're you're not alone I think that we all feel really isolated and I think that this message is important, which is also what I wanted to do was to put something out there that showed that like all of those people like checking off the milestones and hitting you with their, you know, good news on social media, mm-hmm. you know, there are also other people who are still figuring it out and still struggling and, and doing what they feel comfortable with and maybe backtracking on some stuff or overalling their lives and that's happening and they're in this book and this is the message. And, and I think like the pandemic has only intensified that. So, you know, in, in another way, having this come out in the pandemic, like even makes even more sense. Yeah. I was like, I think I might be projecting on her. I just had one more question. Is there anything that you want to say about the book that we didn't talk about? Is there anything that you feel like you want to say? I would like to say for people who may not like nonfiction as much as they like fiction, I did not want to do like a dry stats filled, you know, textbooky. This book is like, it, it has a lot of great stories in it. If yeah. you are looking for great stories, it, it's meant to tell great stories. It is juicy. We we read our portions of the book, and it is <laughs> juicy, juicy, girl. sexy, right, heartbreaking, yes. gut wrenching, <laughs> fully entertaining. Kayleen Schaefer, you're incredible. Uh, again, I just am like want to thank you for choosing us. I, it makes me feel like the most special boy in the whole playground. <laughs> Like, like the, like the coolest quarterback kid chose me to be on their team. So it's just been like a total honor and really fun uh, to be a part of this with you. And we're just like, couldn't be happier for you and, and more proud to be a part of this book. I just say thank you guys again, because you did so much for me by letting me do this. And also I will throw it out there that early readers of the book have been real fans of your relationship. (laughs) I know you get compliments on your marriage and relationships all the time, or I hope you do. You should, but I do. I have some feedback from early readers was for sure. Like these guys are great. Oh, that's, that's, so that's nice. cool, man. That makes me feel great. Tell them that we Zoomed you with matching shirts on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy well. <laughs> All right, everyone. It's-
it's your favorite time of the podcast. It's time for one of our janky homemade ads, baby. <laughs> yes, this episode <laughs> is brought to you by Sarah D. She slipped us a little envelope, a little moolah, some cashola, some clams. You know what I'm saying? Look, we got a Patreon. People hit us up. They get... You know, two bonus episodes a month. It's a great way to support the podcast. And you know what? Some people are like, I don't want your stupid exclusive content. I'm not going to patreon.com. What is that? And that is fine because you can do like what Sarah D did and find us at hell in your 30s on Venmo or hell in your 30s at gmail.com on PayPal. And you can support the podcast that way. That's you know what right, I'm saying? guys. This is our only job, man. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean that we're rich. <laughs> or yeah, or right. that we are making a, a lot of money. No. But it is yeah. our only job. Our really, our only job is to make sure uh, we're, we certify for unemployment every two <laughs> weeks and that we uh, do actually claim our Patreon earnings through that process. Yeah, that right. is which, our actual job. Two people with bachelor's degrees is surprisingly difficult. <laughs> it's impossible. We're just like, what? How do you push the button? <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Okay. enjoy the ad and uh, let's get back to the show. Damn, I love that interview, man. <laughs> yeah. I love Kaylee, man. She's so, so cool. cool. <laughs> you are, I, I know like we're on a podcast or whatever, but I have to gas you up a little bit. What? You are really good at interviewing people. I, mean, I, don't, I think that you're a hella good at like being on task for things. <laughs> I it's think I'm on good on being on task for certain things. <laughs> there's some, uh, there's some times where I'd be dilly dallying. I just um, feel like you're very like powerful and like masculine. <laughs> <laughs> I just like a lot of things about you. But you were really I'll just take like, it. I don't know. I just think you're a pretty cool guy. I'm an open vessel for love. Thank you for pouring you some into me. You are an open vessel for love. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, everyone. Uh, the wonderful Kayleen Schaefer has a big uh, online book launching event um, through Books or Magic. It's this Thursday, March 4th. We're going to put the uh, link to that event in the show notes for this episode. You, it's a free event, or you can actually buy the book that's going to be signed from her through the event. It's a great way to get the book if you're interested in reading about all this shit. There is a lot of stuff in there about us. It's I know. really I know it's, that's exciting, but I'm also like excited to read about like what other people said. You know, yeah, like I, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Able to read it, yeah, I'm like yeah, cannot right. wait. So I'm like really curious if people are as um. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I complain too much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I used to, I would say that to her all the time. I'd be like, I feel like, am I just complaining a lot? Like, am I just going to come off as some whiny, like, <laughs> loser in this book? <laughs> you know, just like complaining about not being famous I or know. whatever. Well, it's kind of like, I feel like our podcast is like, what we did is we put this podcast together to like compensate for the fact that we feel whiny. Yeah. So it's right. like, okay, yeah. well, let's just try to amp it up a little bit. Yeah. Like, bring some joy into this place. Yeah. You know, and it did help. But then <laughs> if somebody is like, how are you? You're just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm okay. <laughs> uh, Hanging in there. Hang in pretty there. okay. I as good know. as one can be in these trying times. Uh, well, fuck it. We're in a book, baby. We're in a book. <laughs> 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 Libraries, here we come. Yeah. So for people who'd never read. <laughs> we We're very excited. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, um, there's another thing that I'm very excited about. What? We got two incredible voicemails. Oh, yeah. We got voicemails from our girl. Man, Natalie, you got to know. We love you. <laughs> hey, guys. It's Natalie. I was just calling because I um, finished listening to the 
Seattle Stomping Grounds episode, which I absolutely loved, and it just made me feel even more intrusive into your life <laughs> to hear some more of your origin stories that maybe I had missed before. And as always, Muriel's stories of her dad did not disappoint. And I had an epiphany, epiphany, realization, I don't know, at the end of the episode where you mentioned that you'd been there for like a week. Does that mean that Juicy Lucy is no longer uh, being fostered by you guys? Did she get adopted? And um, yeah, so cat update, please. Thanks. Love you guys. Bye. Natalie. We love Natalie. Yeah, girl, you are so awesome. I am so, I don't know. I am just so happy you're in our, uh, in our corner. Okay. So for those who don't know who Juicy Lucy is or whatever, look, Miriam, I fostered a bunch of kittens and cats during the pandemic, right? And Juicy Lucy was uh, a full grown cat that we got that was actually pretty problematic when we first got her she was like four or five we called her juicy lucy because she was a little chunker uh you know but she her thing is is that she looked well there's a lot of things one thing is she looked like a normal ass cat so yeah. there's like probably four thousand cats that were identical to her on the website so yeah, when you're not right. meeting cats you can't right. see how sweet she is. But right? Muriel means by that is a website that people would go to to adopt her. Right. So right. she's with us until she got adopted. And part right. of the reason why they gave her to us is because she was having like a meltdown in the shelter. Yeah. She just couldn't handle like the noise. Some some cats just like can't deal with it. So yeah. she was like regressing super hard. Right. Um, and she had been like, you know what is it called? Surrendered. So like she had been with a family until she was like four. Right. And then surrendered. And now she's in this environment. She's like not doing well. So we yeah. took her in we, and yep. she was just like on top of being like a normal looking cat. Cause sometimes if you have a cat with like crazy markings or no ears, like drummer hat yeah, or like right. whatever, they tend to be like easier to, well, they're popular. Out. Yeah. They yeah. well, they just stick out in this right. website full of dozens of cats. Yeah. The ones that happen to stand out get adopted quicker. Right. And so she really didn't physically stand out. And then she also was just like super weird and pressing her face against the floor and like not, not coming out, like hiding constantly. Yeah. And like she was sick, like kind of like, yeah, chronically, chronically sick. sick. And so we had to do all of this stuff. And then at the very end, she just came out of her shell and she was the biggest, juiciest snuggle bug. Like so cute. Yeah. So relaxed. So sassy. Sleeping on the bed every night. She was like the best. She just was, had become the best cat ever. And we were headed out of town, right? So we were going to go to Seattle on this trip and we were like, we don't want to take her back to the shelter. We just didn't want to give her back to the shelter because we were worried she would regress. So we hit up our friends Tom and Sarah, who are known to also foster cats. And we're like, is there any way you would take over the foster of this cat? Probably she's not going to get adopted. For like, we thought six months. Like yeah, we have right. her forever. Yeah. And I, but before we left, I wrote a little review of Lucy and I took a bunch of her little fat ass and like a bunch of pictures. Yeah. And they were very cute. And she totally got adopted. Yeah, right. So we <laughs> dropped her off at Tom and Sarah's and they were super excited. Like, we're going to have this cat for a long time. And she got adopted within a week. Yeah. As so, soon as that like new update came out, because we were just like, this is the best cat on the planet. Yeah. She really was. Yeah. She was just so incredible. And it was really cool, too. This is just like, I'm going to gas you up right now, Muriel, was like, we thought even her transitioning from our place to Tom and Sarah's, she would regress and like 
and probably start hiding again and being weird. And she totally didn't. No, she didn't. It really felt like we helped that stupid cat. I like know, she, we were like therapists. And we, we coaxed it out of its weird shell. She loved Tom and Sarah's. There's like these crazy backyard Tom cats and they were just like sitting next to each other in the window. Like yeah, talking right. and she's super flirty. I don't know. She just ended up being like, the best, chillest, most wonderful cat. And it, she did get adopted. She did get adopted, and it was it was, that was so good. That's the best case scenario. Like we we foster cats so they can be adopted well, but we didn't. Re, it was it also happened too soon. Like in the back of our mind, we were like, well, we'll come back and get her back, and she'll be with us, you know, forever. I was kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I will say, out of all the cats that we fostered and have been adopted she was the one that we she's the one we talk about the most yeah well she's just she's just a big juicy loose i love that girl <laughs> call her juicinda <laughs> jucifer yeah. jucifer in the morning da -ba -do -ba -da -ba -da. Oh, however that jay-z song goes okay <laughs> Oh, yeah, juice of a juice of a. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> All right, and as promised. Yes. Voicemail number two. Hey, Nick and Muriel, it's Natalie. I was just calling because I finished listening to yesterday's episode about learning to run this morning. And I was like super motivated by you guys. So I packed up my running gear so that I could go for a run on my lunch break. I literally just finished it, in case you're wondering why I sound so out of breath and I'm just talking. Yeah, I had stopped running for, I started running, I stopped running, I started and stopped many times. Um, and so you guys motivated me to start again. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to run a quote, unquote, marathon um, in June as well. So um, love you guys and thanks for, you know being that catalyst to encourage me to uh, pick it back up again. All right. Y'all need to take a page out of Natalie's book. You and go out. Yeah, be inspired by us. Yeah, go out there and start running. <laughs> so I, I will say this, two yeah. things. One, I was very uh, complainy in that last one, or a little bitchy about I wasn't big bitchy, but I was definitely very sore and vocal about yeah. it. And literally the next day, I was completely fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Who saw that one coming? Uh, I was totally fine. The way Michelle has this program set up, you're just like... You're like, I mean, of course, if you haven't done anything in a right. year, you're going to be sore if you do anything. And you have uh, slightly flat feet with low arches with where your toes stick out and you're Nick Castellini. You're going to get shin splints again, which is happening, but it's okay. Michelle's helping me deal with them. I watch some YouTube videos. I got an ice regimen. I got some stretching. I'm going to adjust my gait or cadence or whatever it's called. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I, you're going to be great. And I felt great, but I'm just like super excited that people are out there running my brother saw us running yeah so by the way and he legit was like i want to work with michelle yeah so, so we hooked them up and now he's gonna be running of course because we are influencers you we know? are influencers <laughs> we got two people to start running and i'm sure people watching us running are super jealous <laughs> They're like, wow, if they can do it, no one can. <laughs> I'm going to get a shirt that says, ask me how I run. <laughs> You're like, pure adrenaline. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to keep the good times rolling because we also got an incredible review. That's right. To cap off our episode this week, we are going to read our last review because we always read a review if you leave it for us. Yes. It, here's the rules. You leave us five stars. You can talk as much trash or give as much love and we'll accept them both 
equally. That's okay, right. but you have to give us five stars, then we'll actually read it. Then we'll actually read it out loud. Um, also, it's funny because I feel like this episode is like hella uh, compliments to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, what is it like to interview us? Do you like us? <laughs> yeah, right. And then we're just like, oh, and then we got voicemails because people like us. <laughs> yeah, and here's right. a review. I don't know. You know, sometimes you just need a day where you're just like celebrate the shit out of yourself. Yeah, man. It's time. Let's get a parade. It was my birthday the other day. You That's know what right. I mean? I'm yeah. just feeling myself. I'm 37 years old. You know what I mean? If we aren't going to create art that puts us on a pedestal, who the F will? Yeah, that's right. And if, and you know what? If that art never makes it onto the pedestal, at least give me compliments. Okay, okay great. great. This is from Vegan Mortician. Uh, she gave us a five-star review. Nice. She said, this podcast is everything I need. Hell in Your 30s makes me so happy. I can't remember how I stumbled upon this podcast, but once I did, I immediately fell in love with it. Nick and Paul, Nick and Muriel are amazing people and an enviable couple. Relationship goals. That's a hashtag. I think that's what <laughs> someone not in Hella in their 30s would say. Well, I couldn't even read that sentence because I'm so in my 30s. <laughs> I forgot what hashtag was. All right. Okay. There have been so many times through crappy 2020 that I have felt sad and overwhelmed and started starting the latest episode would immediately put me in a better mood. Mm -hmm. Whoa. These two are so charming and they have such a cute dynamic that for anyone not to love it would be crazy. Oh, <laughs> and extra points for finding so many creative ways to make each episode fun, even during a quarantine where there's not much to do. You must listen. Thank you. Being a mortician. Thank you so much. Those I'm reviews, having a little bit of tears. I know. It's just <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go into a, a spin of self-hatred after this. No, <laughs> to, no. <laughs> our dizzying heights will come crashing down. I'm going to eat a fudge sickle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, okay. There is one final thing. We're going to add on a little. We're going to tag on a little bonus scene, a little deleted scene uh, that we had with Kaylee. how massive Nick's beard's getting right before it really you. is quite <laughs> quite massive Nick he's been yanking on it how, so when did you start this did you start it beginning of the pandemic yeah for sure it's my well yes I did have to trim it at some point I went I, I got it <laughs> smaller at one point and then but it's back baby it's back and bigger than ever it's like actually pretty wild he keeps yanking this on it it's a treat it's a treat <laughs> like to he see does it. this stuff <laughs> And so we've been trying to figure out ways. He wants to do hypnosis to stop pulling on his beard. I just oh, like to stop pulling on your beard. Yeah, I just oh, do no, like no. Uh, it's like a stress thing. I don't. It's I just can't stop. I'm just constantly twirling and pulling at my beard. So I want to do hypnosis, and then Muriel was like, "Well, what if we just got you a little shot collar, <laughs> or like a little like uh, I, electrifying?" I was thinking thing. like a dog collar on his wrist, and then I would just do it every time he would put his hand to his. Face. <laughs> Which I think might work because one time I electrocuted myself on our garbage disposal switch. And ever since then, I've never touched it. I always use uh, a plastic uh, intermedium or whatever it's called. I mean, so you're basically like, I like dogs. <laughs> Stop doing stuff when they're shot. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> You were fighting about it right before you logged in. Yeah. I was just like, it's not that weird. Miro's <laughs> like, well, we let's go to Petco and see what they have. I was like, I'm not doing an animal one. I was like, do you think there are human ones? And I was like, I think. I don't know. 
<laughs> Seems like there should be. All right, let's get this. Uh, okay. <laughs> is bad for you because you're so much bigger than a dog that I just think that you would could handle it okay. So I hate. Yeah, I just hate being electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> I hate but, being electrocuted. Understandable. <laughs> so look, I think we're onto something. If any of you guys have experience with hypnosis or shock therapy or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. hit us up. That's because- right. It has to be like. At the at-home kind. I have to be able to do it. You're too. not going to be able to hypnotize me. It's a skill. Are you... Fu- I, I hypnotize you every day. <laughs> no, you don't. You, I will abs- I could absolutely hypnotize you. <laughs> that's, I, you can convince me of things, but you have not been able to convince me to stop uh, pulling on my beard hair. That's because so. I haven't wanted to yet. Yes, you have. You <laughs> slap me. <laughs> you slap my arm. You dig your elbow into me. <laughs> that's only... You say, quit doing it, crackhead. <laughs> you said, stop pulling on your beard, you tweaker. <laughs> I never said the word tweaker. Uh, well, whatever. Something along those lines. You've done a lot I call, of methods. I call you, <laughs> I say with your squirmy ass. Yeah. <laughs> but all that is in love. I'm just trying to get you to, you know, stop. See, you're twirling yourself right I'm now. twirling right now. I literally can't stop. I just want someone to go into my brain and make it go away. Well, listen. What? It's a part of who you are. You're really special. Get your fingers out of your hair. <laughs> And, and I love you. And the only reason why I want to shock you sometimes is because I think it'd be very funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. It's I, not, I'm not like that. I promise you right now, if you ever shock me for a joke, I will be furious. I, I won't hate do it without your consent. I'm not going to do it without your consent. What I'm going to try to do is hypnotize you into letting me... <laughs> Shock you. <laughs> See, that's why I don't trust your ass, you know? I need a I need you a You don't train. trust me because you know I can do it. I don't trust you because if you were able to do it while you had me hypnotized, you'd make me do a bunch of other shit and then forget to hypnotize me out of doing my beard. So you'll trick me into thinking that you tried to hypnotize me with the beard. It didn't work and therefore it was a failed thing. But I will to unbeknownst to me, I will have changed a bunch of shit about my um you know, behaviors. I hate this scenario. So well, much. that's what's going to happen. That's why I don't trust you. I need to go to a licensed professional who has ethical standards. Well, I'll just hypnotize you out of one of that. Get truly do. Win win, baby. <laughs> Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much to Kayleen. Make sure to find her book, But You're Still So Young, How 30-somethings Are Redefining Adulthood, uh, wherever you get your books. You know what I'm saying? Thank you to Ryan and Ryan for producing this bad mother. (laughs) By that, Muriel means our tiny little podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The music for this episode is brought to you by thekleinparty.com. Okay, check them out. We love The Klein Party, and their music is gorgeous. Uh, what else? Stay safe out there. I think things are looking up. The spring is springing. You know, we'll all just... <laughs> you know, we're all just... We're almost there, guys. <laughs> Wherever there is, we're very... We're very, very we're close. very, very we close. You can see it on the horizon. Okay, we love you guys. Bye. Bye. This is Patrick. And this is Mark, co-host of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're your home for all things Nintendo. On Tuesday, we're talking about the latest Nintendo news. And on Thursday, we're doing deep dives into specific corners of the Nintendo universe. Ranking the Koopa Kids. Determining who the best Smash Fighter is. That's Nintendo Cartridge Society on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Campfire. <laughs>